You are listening to the Robin of Sherwood podcast, season two, episode five, The Children of Israel. Shalom and welcome to the Robin of Sherwood podcast. I am Sietse Wilman, the host and creator of this podcast. And what I do here uh, is talk about every single episode of my favorite TV show of all time called Robin of Sherwood. Uh, Now, before we can start, I'd like to make a little uh, correction. In the last podcast, I said you can find us on uh, Spotify, uh, but that's not true, actually. Uh, What I meant to say was that we are on iTunes. Uh, You can also find us on most uh, podcast apps for your smartphone or uh, download and stream the show on robinofsherwoodpodcast.blogspot.com. So uh, check us out. Don't do that on Spotify because you won't find us. And if you like what we are doing here, uh, please share our show with your friends and fellow fans of Robin of Sherwood because, well, we would really uh, appreciate that. Uh, Right, uh, so now it's time to introduce uh, the co-host of this podcast and it's the very knowledgeable Andy Chesney. Yeah, hi everyone. It's... uh, Good to have you back on. Uh, as always, I'd like uh, you to uh, open the show by asking a trivia question about Robin of Sherwood. What have you got for us today? Yeah, okay. Um, Thor, Thor's hammer is is mentioned in which episode um, and which and by which character? So, does anyone know when when Thor's hammer is referred to? I I, I have a theory. Um, I actually saw the the Thor movie, uh, the latest Thor movie. Uh, uh, like two weeks ago or something like that, it has uh, Fenris in it. So I thought, oh, oh really? That's that's, that's okay. a familiar. Uh, that's a familiar name. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of gives away my guess for the answer to your question. But uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But we'll we'll get the answer at the end of uh, this podcast, uh, of course. And also, we're going to do uh, something a bit special at the end of this uh, podcast. So uh, listeners out there. Uh, well, be, be ready for a, for a little surprise at the end of this one. Uh, but first, it's time to talk about today's episode called The Children of Israel. In the introduction, uh, we see a Jewish father uh, reading uh, to his children. He studies the Kabbalah, we learn, and he explains to his children, uh, it has been said that if evil men were, would see it, the power of the book would overwhelm him. So that's a quite obvious uh, forecasting of uh, events yet to happen. Um, then they pray, they wish each other a good Sabbath, um, but we see that there's uh, trouble lurking at the door because uh, Gisborne is, uh, is standing there. Not really clear what, what he's doing, but well, we all know Gisborne and we know it's not good news if he's uh, sneaking around like that. No, is it? Yeah, it's, um, it's a good episode, this one. Um, a really strong episode, I think, uh, The Children of Israel. Um, yeah, a good opening scene as well, um, where we meet this Jew- the Jewish family for the first time and, and uh, everything just seems quite normal at home with them until, um, yeah, just at the end there. Um, but we don't know we don't know what, what that is yet. Um, yeah. And it's going it's, to take a while before, before we find out. Um, because after the uh, titles, we first see a very impressive uh, shot of uh, Robin overlooking Sherwood Forest. That's the same spot they used in um, in Robin Hood and the Sorcerer. It's at Blaze Castle Estate, that lovely, that wonderful forest in the background. Um, yeah, it's the same spot where um, where Robin calls out so much in in the very in the first one. Yeah, it's a great great location. 
Right. Um, uh, Marion is uh, with him as well. Uh, she says that, uh, well, she doesn't think that uh, he'll be back in time, uh, referring to, uh, to the sheriff. On the other side of the forest, Will, John, Tuck and Nazir are waiting too. And they explain that there are two roads uh, the sheriff could take. And that's why the group has uh, split up. And if one, group's, uh, if one group spots the sheriff, uh, they send an uh, arrow to signal the others. And then they're going to attack um, with everybody uh, on board. And uh, w- what I like about it is that you can really feel the, the boredom of waiting and the tension building up with, with Will, who's a bit frustrated and, and tired of just hanging around, <laughs> doing nothing, always having to listen to Robin. Yeah, you can. And um, and I think Robin Sherwood was good at getting that across that, you know, obviously, you know, sometimes it would it would be long. They'd have long days in the forest, you know, um, it's easy to watch these programs and you just kind of, you know, we see their adventures and it all just seems exciting and, you know, and fun or dangerous. And but, but you forget, you know, like um, or, or you could forget, you know, if they didn't show those kind of scenes that actually life was a bit of a drag as well at times. You know, they, they were just. Um, you know, for example, this is like a summer episode, and yeah, you get the feeling it's quite a hot day as well, and they're just waiting around um, for hours and hours for the sheriff to come to come back. And um, but you know, they, they were used to it. I mean, they you know, obviously they were outlaws in the forest, and they, you know, they were used to kind of living it rough, and, and they would they would be bored at times, I suppose. But um, yeah, what I think it, um, what they do uh, a good job at is that. Uh, um, the scene itself isn't boring. I mean, the characters are bored, but we as viewers are, are not. And I think that kind of has to do with the uh, underlying tension, mostly with, with Will, you know, John explaining that um, uh, there has been uh, brewing something between Will and Robin. Uh, mm. At the same moment, Robin is having uh, uh, a conversation about that as well with, with Marion. So we know that uh, not everything is just fine at this moment they're not just bored there's also some frustration going on i just think um i just think the marys are so well defined that they're just always so in 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 their character you know the actors um you know i just think even just the slightest scenes where they're just standing around they're all just they're they're always completely in character and and i just think that's why i think that's why why it's not boring for us you know because you as you made that point you know that they can be standing around as you say just kind of almost fidgeting at times or just you know getting frustrated but you can be really sense their character presence you know and especially with with like will you know with ray being such a strong um a strong character and um and yeah and that's what i love about robin and sherwood just the way the, the characters are so well defined and um and, and just the, the most minor scenes are still are still very interesting i think you know uh, and then then uh, will uh, will's group uh, spots the sheriff uh, at, at some moment and he uh, persuades the others not to call for Robin, Marion and much, but um, uh, attack on their own. I think um, I think it's a brilliant scene, this one, actually. Um, one of the very best in the episode. It's, there's an awful lot going on in this, and it's um, it's easy just to just think, oh, you know, it's just an ambush on the sheriff's car and the, or the sheriff's men, but there's there's a lot of detail in this scene. Firstly, you've got the these this little this bit of conversation at the beginning where yeah where Will persuades them to um to, to to just fight you know fight it out the four of them without Robin and of course straight away you know you can see the reaction of the others they're not happy about it you know um Tuck says himself you know all of all of us against that you know against that lot and 
and Nazir. Um, you can even Nazir, you can you can sort of tell is a bit concerned. And um, but, I, yeah, but you just have something to, like uh, this isn't a game, something like that. Yeah, and but I but you just love the way that that Will kind of his passion, the way the way he kind of gets John on side. You can't help but sort of. But enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? You, even though, even though you want them to do what Robin says, you, Will has just got that. It's like it's that rogue. It's a rogue quality that he's got. The way he kind of, and I, I love the way he actually persuades little John. And you see that smile on little John's face. You know, bet you, you know, you look, you know, bet you look. I see the look on Robin's face, you know, if we pull it off, and it's some. But 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 going. But but on a serious note, yeah. Once they they go, once they're with Will, and they and they decide to do it. The acting is 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 really really good. Um, you actually see them just as they line their bows up. Little John, um, you actually see the te- see the adrenaline in his hands. He's actually shaking a little bit, and that is such brilliant acting that you know because they would be nervous. You know, it's such a big thing they're just about to try and pull off. You know, so they shoot down several of the soldiers. Um, so there's only four of them. I believe I've watched the scene obviously many times over the years. I think there's probably about 15 soldiers there. Um, it's hard to say for sure, but there's there's definitely a good 15 or so soldiers. I think with the sheriff. So it's an, it's a huge task they've got a huge ask really. But they um but they, yeah they got off to a good start. Although having said that, Tuck is knocked down obviously early on. It, yeah. it was just a bad idea from Will, really. Um, and you can understand. It's, it's obvious. Yeah. You, yeah, you can understand afterwards why Robin was so cross. It was just it was such a reckless thing to do. And yeah, that and as, as for lifting Tuck to safety, it was interesting actually because I've, I've often wondered how um, whether they, you know, whether Clive Mansell, whether actually Little John really does pick, yeah, um, pick up Tuck. And you, I, I you was can get the same thing. They did consider the idea of using like a dummy made you know made out for tuck's size but um but i think in the end they they i think clive whether it was clive or whoever i don't know but i think in the end they just thought it, it looked a bit didn't look right didn't look really looked either a bit silly or to, not realistic in the end clive just went for it and yeah he, he actually picks picks phil up and um huh? and takes a, a, takes a little john then yeah <laughs> uh, what i really like is at the end of the the fight we hear uh, the sheriff uh, shouting fools to his soldiers and it Cuts straight to Robin shouting "fools" to uh, to Will and the others for um, going at it uh, on their own, because it, it it draws a parallel between the sheriff and uh, Robin, both being uh, the leaders, the highest in rank in their uh, in their own way. I think it was really good seeing Robin angry with Will as well, and and again that's great acting from Michael Prade there, and the way he you know he's he's really cross with Will, and and he actually grabs him, doesn't he? You know. If he's, you know, he says to him, you know, if Tuck dies, you know, and he, he, he um, yeah, it's it's interesting. He has that brooding side to him, you know, Robin of Loxley, and I do like it actually when he gets cross because um, because he's such a you know he's such a nice guy generally, you know, Robin, but um, but sometimes you know he has a right to be cross and um, yeah, it comes across well, um, and and you can tell already that there's. You know, we know from from the scene before. You know that things aren't right between Robin and Will, and and in the end, um, yeah, Will does. He actually leaves them, doesn't he? And he, um, yeah, yeah, he does. Um, and in 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 the castle, well, the sheriff, uh, the sheriff was in a bad mood uh, already, like you said. And then uh, the Talmud, uh, the the Jewish uh, father we saw in the in the introduction, and his uh, oldest uh, daughter Sarah appear. And um, the Talmud uh, immediately immediately takes the moral higher ground. Uh, he wants the money back that the sheriff uh, has borrowed from him. 
he's he's an interesting character i think he he almost speaks in in quotes of wisdom from i don't know <laughs> books Def or something like that yeah definitely david dekeza yeah and he's um he looks interesting as well you know he's just got that kind of you know he looks kind of like a wise sort of man doesn't he Do you know what i mean he's got an interesting kind of face almost and he and yeah he's just he's very yeah very interesting fellow isn't he um this joshua to town and and not, and, uh, not easy to to scare i mean uh, uh no. the sheriff says something like uh, I'll, I'll have the flesh whipped from your back and then he's, he replies really calm well that will not settle your debt and yeah yeah it would be more honorable for me and uh, it would be more honorable for you and less painful for me if you just uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> paid up and uh well that's that's a really good response yeah i love the way he stands to his stands his ground stands his ground and um and, and keeps his yeah he keeps his his cool and, and just kind of he knows the law and um and it's um and the sheriff's obviously disgusted that that not only is someone standing up for themselves against him but but particularly obviously being a jew as well that's yeah and then he threatens the sheriff that he'll take the matter uh, directly to the king well that, that mm -hmm. could be a, a real threat for the sheriff as well and um well when when he leaves it's obvious that uh, uh Reno, um wants his uh, revenge on him uh, he knows that with a little encouragement people can uh, turn against uh, jews pretty uh, pretty quickly and he wants to use that uh, in his advanced uh, in his advantage and against uh, the Talmud. but that's uh, that that's all the detail we get um, at this moment because in the forest there's also still uh, something uh, something going on um, they worry uh, about tuck who is uh, seriously wounded uh, but then they go to uh, a village to ask for help and uh, they get sent away that's an intense moment i think yeah, um, that was a real disappointment for Robin when they get turned away from that village. And um, in fact, Robin actually says the very first time we ask them for help, they drive us away, you know, and he, um, he takes it to heart. Um, yeah, just uh, uh, my, yeah, no, sorry, just one minor point on the actual village, just um, just in case anyone hasn't noticed, it is actually a reworking of the Wickham set, this. So it's basically the same, it's the same village, it's the same old breed, um court estate set as um lord of the trees you know we see wickham um and it's and you see it again in greatest the greatest enemy it's the same it's basically the same area but they've just kind of they've just kind of shot it from a different sort of angle just to make calverton look slightly different but it's all the same village set effectively i wanted to point out that um in, in a lot of ways this uh, episode really works together with uh the previous one lord of the trees uh there we see them having a good time with the villagers well of of, of wickham uh and on a contrast with that um we see other villagers uh, sending them away uh we've seen in uh, lord of the trees how um will gets uh, frustrated and uh and, and and angry about robin's leadership and here that comes to a climax uh, as well uh and it's actually will who makes matters even worse i think after they've been uh, uh sent away i mean uh john tries to uh, comfort robin a bit by pointing out that the people are just afraid um but will you know yeah he, uh, he has his own view on it and uh, that's the moment you picked to uh, have a listen to so uh, we're gonna do that right now look robin don't take it to heart they were frightened all of them We've risked our lives for them time and time again. And they turned us away. 
We could have been strangers. So you can see it? It's all been for nothing? They're not worth fighting for. They're just serfs. And that's all they'll ever be. Now, we could have been rich. Every one of us. You had to believe that Hearn chose you. That you could give the people heart. Give them hope. Maybe, just maybe, give them the will to fight. Why don't you be honest to yourself? You're just an outlaw. That's all you'll ever be. Yeah, I just think um, I think it's a good little scene because it kind of this whole Robin and Will, this bickering that they've had, and and things not feeling you know feeling right and it kind of just comes to a head a bit here and um and we see kind of like an unpleasant side of will and it's um and it's it's a shame to kind of hear him kind of having a go at robin but in a way kind of it's what what he's saying is actually true like the bit where he sort of says oh you know you're just an outlaw and that's all you'll ever be and of course as a robin head fan watching it you feel a bit sad for robin you think oh you know it's you know because because we, we we see robin as more than that you know he's like a legend isn't he or you know robin hood is has is, is become like a symbol and of course he is more than just an outlaw because because of that but but essentially, you know, when you strip Robin back a bit from the legend, he, you know, he is still just an outlaw, and it's, you know, and Will and Will knows that deep down, and of course that's why he's using those kind of words. It's like when we argue and when we, you know, when we fall out with people, you know, you say things, say things you don't mean, don't you? Sometimes it's quite often within people, within families even, and things like that, and it's just one of those kind of moments where you just know Will's overstepped that mark where he's. He's, he's sort of crossed that line where he's just said something hurt, yeah. you know, a bit too hurtful, really, and it's kind of like, That's oh. Well, I, but, uh, I, I think it, it, it's probably something that Robin is insecure about every now and then. You know, am I doing the right thing? Uh, is it really worth it? Stuff like that. And then first um, the villagers uh, send him away and really let him down, and then Will it really makes yeah, just, things worse by just being so... Mm-hmm. So just so cold, it. really. Yeah, just very cold. And but um, but he ends up walking off, doesn't he? In a half, and um, and, and he effectively leaves them at that point. Um, but you get the feeling when you hear those words, you do feel like he he, he has left them. Yeah. And um, he, he crossed I the don't... line, and and I think he uh, intentionally did that. Yep. And uh, it, it it had his uh, effect on Robin because he goes to uh, to Hearn. Uh, yeah. He says he wants to wants to break faith. Hearn replies in his own mysterious way that doesn't really do the trick with Robin, I think. Um, yeah, well, he reminds Robin that, you know, he, that he was chosen and, and, and that, you know, basically kind of telling him that you're the hooded man and and that, you you know, you can't walk away from your um, from your role, you know, from your responsibility. And I think Robin does accept that at the end by Hearn, but obviously it still leaves a bit, it, it leaves yeah, him frustrated. But, 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 but uh, things like uh, there is no end, uh, no beginning, it is enough to aim. I can imagine why that's not really restoring Robin's faith. I mean... Yeah, but, but I think the telling point is that the whole mystery of it is what keeps Robin 
in the role, if you know what I mean. I think it, 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 the initial reaction is frustration, and yeah, he goes back to Marion, you know, and he and he quotes one of the riddles and, and yeah. the, the bits from Hearn. And of course, Robin's frustrated because he hasn't got that reassurance yet. And obviously, Hearn has has rejected his um, you know, his um, resentment, his request. Yeah, his his request to you know break faith and that sort of thing. But I think Robin, Robin knows deep down that he is the hooded man and. And I think the fact that Hearn is still rid- talking in riddles to him, kind of, you can tell that it's it's all part of the, it's all designed to keep Robin thinking. And yeah. well, you you, you can wonder if Robin goes there really to break faith or just is saying that so Hearn will talk to him and say uh, and, and encourage him a bit more because that that's what he needs at at, at this mm-hmm. point. I think, yeah, I mean, I think you have to assume at that at that particular point, he did want to break faith. I don't think he would just, he's, I don't think he's, that, he's just trying it on. No, no, at that, that moment in time, he, 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 does, he, he does feel down. And I think it's quite natural that you would see him maybe, you know, try and sort of call it off with, you know, call it off, off with Hearn. And, um, but obviously, it's, yeah, it's a shame that Hearn doesn't kind of reassure him a bit more. But it's... Um, yeah. And also, just it's just a minor thing, but uh, 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 at one moment, Hearn says, um, there is no other. Uh, yeah. And, well, later... He makes it clear. He yeah, makes but, it clear. but it's not true because, um, well, uh, Mr. Uh, Robert of Huntingdon is uh, alive and well at this moment, and he'll soon take up uh, the hood. But the, I think the point would I'd always say to that is that but Robert of Huntingdon wouldn't have been available at this time and he wouldn't have been ready for the role. So it's not that there aren't other people out there that could be, it's not that there aren't any other future headed, there aren't other future hooded men around, but all you've got to realise is that her knows at this moment in time there isn't another one actually ready for the role. This is Robin of Luxley's time. Um, and when the, when the was written, young, they didn't know that they would have to replace Michael. Of course, they didn't know. But even later. no, they didn't know that. But 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 even, but if you get into the Robin of Sherwood universe and use that mindset, you do have to you do have to kind of just think it through a bit and just say, well, actually, Robert Huntington would have been just a bit younger still at this stage. He wouldn't have been. Um, perhaps he was still. Perhaps he was still getting his training in the castle. We know that he was trained up on on the quarter, st- you know, on the staff and and various things, you know, happened throughout his. Um, his castle life, you know, that would have prepared him for the role. And at this, at this stage, he wouldn't have been ready for this. So then we cut uh, to the home of uh, the uh, the Talmans. Um, there's uh, trouble there too. They receive a note to warn them for uh, anti-Semitic riots. And uh, just in time, they make their, uh, this, uh, they make their escape. Uh, the Talmans uh, make sure to take his, uh, his holy book. And uh, once again, warned Sarah that no one must see it except for his brother, I believe. So again, there's a bit um, uh, uh, attention focused on on the book. That's right. Yeah, um, I love the the Talmont House um, seats. I can't remember. Did you get? To, did you go to Farley Hungerford Castle when you visited England? Um, you went to some of the locations. Did you visit? I don't think so, but I'm really bad at remembering uh, the <laughs> names of the places that I've been. So I, I, I would have to yeah, look it, was it up, the one, and if I see the them on the, the map, same, or yeah. if I see a picture, then I'll, I'll remember. The one with the, it's the same street where, um, so in, in the King's Fall, where Robin um, and his men, when when they're invited to Nottingham, and you see Gisborne suddenly ambush them and take them to the King, when they're walking yeah, down yeah, that I've, street. I've, I've been there. Yeah. It's all the same. It's all the same bit where the Jewish riots happen outside the Talmont House, or or anywhere. And I, I really love that you can still visit this. Um, you can go in right inside Joshua de Talmont's house. It's brilliant. It's it's, re- it's a really good experience. Yeah, it's, um, it's a really small street. I mean, 
it, mm. uh, on the show it, it looks like well there's just a street and it's full of people but in reality it's just you know just a few oh, meters great. i think yeah it's, it's only a short a short street yeah. yeah on that street we see uh gisborne uh, dressed as a as a common man um uh, encouraging the riots he's uh, clearly enjoying that he says that he has spread a rumor uh, i think about uh, the jewish families uh, using uh, the blood of christian babies or something like that yeah you see um you see someone like knock down the stairs don't you those steps um again by, by that street you see sort of one of the jews sort of knocked down there and sort of punched or something and there's a yeah it's, it's all quite unpleasant and um and then at the end, you at the very end, when um, the Tatalmonts, you know, leave leave out the back of the house, the um, the captain, Gisborne's captain, you know, he spots the um, the note, doesn't he? Leave yeah. leave Nottingham. But, yeah, um, and, and, and Gisborne tells him uh, to tell the sheriff that all the Jews uh, have uh, have died. Well, mm. uh, that's that's not true because, like I said, uh, the the Talmans, uh, because of the warning, the Talmans uh, managed to uh, to uh, escape that. Yeah. And we see the captain. We see the captain kind of smile to himself when he sees the notes, and he, you know, and he keeps it and puts it in his pocket. And of course, we did. We find out soon after the reason he's smiling is because he um, he recognises um, Gisborne's handwriting, so he knows, <laughs> or, or you know, that's like a yeah. He he's, he knows he's suddenly got a card to play with here to kind of get brownie points from the sheriff. And of course, he does exactly that. He takes it back to the sheriff, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, to 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 get some. Uh, to get in his good books, you know, to get um, to kind of boost his own his own ambition, I suppose. You know, yeah, I think well, we just at, at, first, at first he goes along with Gisborne's story that there's no uh, yeah. after life in in Nottingham, but but the note will uh, the note will show up uh, just a bit later. Meanwhile, well, like you said before, um, uh, Hearn couldn't really restore uh, Robin's faith, but but Marion can in a way. I really like that little conversation they're having. So we know that that uh, Robin is, you know, back on track, and uh, he's determined uh, to find Will again. But Will is uh, well, is, uh, is on his own in the forest. He runs into the the Talmans and uh, and robs them. And there's a very important moment where he only takes their money, not their uh, their uh, how do you call it? He calls it their their candlesticks or Sarah's ring or the book, which is uh, mm. very very important gets away he's kind of um he's reached a new low isn't he here will because obviously we know the marys are robbers robbers and thieves but they, they don't rob from people like this and it's um again it's yeah it's kind of it's disappointing seeing will go down this path and you know robbing or yeah you know just a, robbing an innocent jewish family it's it's not you, you just know it's not within robin's um plans at all you know that's, that's right. Stanley, you know this um this episode. Did you know um did you know originally it was meant it was actually going to be called um Babes of the Word? Yeah, so I this, think I've, I've read that yeah. somewhere. It's um, I'm glad they changed the title. So it doesn't yeah, sound it would have been a horrible title. But but I, I do understand why um they would come up with that name because from from this moment on there's a lot of people uh, running into each other in, in a very big forest we've we've talked about this before where there's a lot of meetings um going on from from this moment forward because will is hardly gone and then uh, gisborne and a few soldiers uh, shows up uh, he has left uh, the sheriff and he now explains why 
because um, he wants to marry uh, Sarah uh, Detelment. Actually, I, I picked uh, this moment uh, where Gisborne doesn't understand why she is not really uh, grateful for saving them and why she's not really thankful that, that he wants to marry her. He just doesn't understand. He's not only arrogant and cruel, but he's also, you know, a bit, a bit clumsy here. So um, we're going to gonna take a listen to how that all, uh, all went down. I mean to take service with the Earl of Chester, and you're coming with me. I don't mind that you're a Jewess. That can be changed when I marry you. You're going to marry me? Yes. So simple. No, not so simple. No, I am betrothed to Aaron of Lincoln. That's unimportant. That can be dealt with. The way you dealt with my people in Nottingham. That was a riot. Which you knew was going to happen, didn't you? Well, you must have done. You warned us. Why didn't you warn the others? That wasn't part of the plan. Besides, there was nothing I could do. I was only obeying orders. Oh, but you didn't obey orders, did you? You decided who would live and who would die. You. You decided. But I saved you. I saved your family. Don't you understand? Oh, yes, I understand. It's you that doesn't. Listen to me. No, you listen to me. Everything about you disgusts me. Your cruelty and your arrogance, your ignorance and your conceit. How could you think that I could marry you? You with my people's blood on your hands to be your wife. To renounce everything that I believe in. despise you and I'd rather die than have anything to do with you. You're hysterical. It's been an ordeal, I know. But I can see that you need a man to match your spirit. Oh, let me go. Let me go. Leave her alone. Right, and after that, Gisborne loses his patience. As we can hear, he just uh, puts Sarah on his horse and uh, and together uh, they ride off. And uh, the Talmud runs after them. But, uh, well, we've seen before that he's in bad shape. And he collapses to uh, to the ground. I thought she was a really good actress, actually, as well. That the, the um, Sarah de Talmont, you know, and especially the way she she stands up to Gisborne, you know, um, you know, and she even says, "I'd rather die than have anything um, to do with you," and things like that, you know. But she, yeah, really strong acting. Yeah. To, to be quite honest, uh, the same can't be said for her uh, uh, brother and sister in the in the story. I, I always uh, think it's, it's it's a bit harsh to criticize the acting of of, of children in the show, but when um, <laughs> one of the children cries out, "Oh Sarah, oh Sarah," uh, that's really poor acting, uh, <laughs> I think. Bless them, yeah, they're they're very they're really young, those two. Um, yeah, those two young young children. Um, I think when small children actually cast in shows, that they're not always kind of actors in a way. I think if you think about it, a child is actually so young that they don't always know. I think sometimes if a child can act, and you, and, and you see that in soaps occasionally, not, I, I can't stand, I don't like soaps, by the way, but I'm just talking generally, you know, as an example. But you might, you'll have like a family in a soap and, and, and sometimes they'll start off with a young child in that family. And then suddenly as the child gets older, they know that they've got to kind of, they start giving, you know, that they start giving them like a bit of a storyline and actually sometimes they realize the producers realize that that child can't act properly you know that they actually they can't really act and so they recast them and that's and and, and you end up with and sometimes in soaps you end up with the same character being recast about three times you know sometimes <laughs> even, but um i think they're so sweet these two children here in that in this family that i'll give them the benefit of the doubt because I, I think they're lovely lovely children um, I just think they're such a nice family. Um, yeah, I, I won't hold it uh, against them. It's a bit like the, the Daniel Radcliffe uh, effect, uh, <laughs> I would like to call that. Um, 
anyway, uh, the, the, two, the two children are uh, uh, left behind in the forest on their own. Uh, then Robin and his men enter the scene. So pretty quickly uh, after that. Like I said, there's a lot of uh, coincidental meetings uh, going around uh, at this moment. Marion finds the two remaining uh, the Talmud children. Uh, they tell them what, what happened <coughs> and they decide to go after Sarah. But first, they find uh, uh, the father, uh, the Talmud, who's still alive, but is uh, passed out uh, against a tree somewhere. Yeah, he seems to have quite a weak heart, doesn't he, Joshua the Talmud? Because um, earlier in the episode, when he's in the castle, um, Sarah sort of begs them to, um, you know, she, she pleads with Gisborne to let him rest, doesn't she? He has one of those kind of... Um, you know his heart sort of tightens up and he's really sort of struggling and you you do fear for um joshua de Talmore's, um you know health don't you really in this episode you get the feeling that he probably isn't going to um to live that many more years is he i don't think um a bit further down the road uh, will sees uh, gisborne and sarah passing by uh and at that moment uh, nazir and robin uh, run into him and uh, so the gang is uh, reunited once again when Robin has that fight, sword fight with Gisborne, you know, yeah. when they freed Sarah, do you, have you know, <laughs> you know, it's the classy little bit where just, just at the very beginning, like Robin runs across this log <laughs> just, just before he, just before he starts the sword fight with Robin, you see like Michael Brady kind of just like walk, he kind of like walks quick, like almost sort of runs across this sort of high log and then sort of drops down. I, I wondered if that was just deliberately put in just to make it, it's almost like a tiny, it's almost like a subtle bit of swashbuckling. Do you know what I mean? Like in the old Robin Hood films, you might see him hang, you know, like swing across, yeah, yeah. you know, if he's in the castle, you might see him swing across, hold a candle or, you know, hold, sorry, swing down from the lights, you know, and that kind of from thing. The and, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, the chandelier. Maybe, I mean, it's, it's true. It, um, it does add a little bit of a flair, I think. Um, yeah. And then, well, they, they win the fight pretty easily. Um, then uh, Will gives Sarah back her money. Well, of course, uh, Robin is amazed that uh, that he has robbed uh, Sarah, and then, in his own way, uh, Will admits that he was wrong before. And I, I like that bit as well. I mean, you can really see uh, Will Scarlet struggling to, you know, admit his mistake and and that Robin was right and that he shouldn't have done things like that. I, I believe he doesn't even finish his sentence, but he says something like, "Well, you brought us together. You can only be one leader," or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he did, he did kind of apologize. Well, he, he clearly did sort of apologize at the end there, and he um, it's hard for Will, you know, you know, you can tell he finds it hard to do that, but but he clearly does, you know, make it clear to Robin, look, yeah, you're you know, you're the leader, and yeah, and you can yeah. tell that Robin is a good leader because he doesn't press the point, he doesn't no, no, he does. demand uh, that Will, you know, gets on his knees or and beg for forgiveness or really. You know, has to say all the words. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. He knows I think it it's, helps. It's, it's okay from now yeah. on. And I think it helps that that Will straight away went over and, and obviously gave them gave that money back to the um, you know, back to Sarah. You know, the fact Robin has has just seen him do that. You know, obviously tells Robin already that that Will's been off the rails a bit and he's kind of he knows that he's he's done wrong and he's yeah you know but, Robin, but you could yeah. also tell that will is, is ashamed about it i mean the way he gives back the money he's almost like you know uh, embarrassed at the uh yeah yeah and that's what's and that's what's such a great thing about him because even though he isn't angry and i'm an unpleasant character sometimes he, he's just there's just something lovable about about ray's will scarlet you know he's likable rogue and he and he's got real heart you know he, he is a good guy deep down. He knows, 
he doesn't, you know, obviously he does love killing people with sausages and all that sort of thing, but he, he loves being one of the Marys, you know, he, he you know, he, he, he it's his family, you know, and we actually hear that in series. And, and it, it, it fits his character. Um, I mean, if he didn't have the the gang of outlaws as his family around him, he would go out and do bad things. It's totally, totally believable. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Well, That's right. But for now, everything kind of seems to be all right. But then there's another uh, meeting, and this time it's the sheriff who shows up uh, with his soldiers and finds um, Joshua the Talmud, his children, together with Marion, Tuck, Much, and John. Yeah, you see quite a ruthless side to the sheriff here. I mean, like the bit where, um, yeah, when when she asks, when he asks where Robin is, you know, and at first um, everyone's quiet, and then and then and then the sheriff says the boy captain, you know, and straight away, you know, they aim a crossbow at, the, at that young boy, and you just think, blimey, you know, Sam. Um, and to be honest, you you know, he is ruthless to Rayner at times, and obviously Marion then has to quickly you know stand stand forward and say and tell you know and tell him that he's hunting gisborne and it's but yeah i mean it's it's a dangerous situation this obviously you know the marys are they're surrounded now by soldiers the sheriff's um very much in control here yeah he is well you you can see uh robin and nazir and will in the bushes uh, hidden they see it all happening so you kind of expect that there's going to be a big fight that they have to free uh, their friends or something like that. Um, but yeah. that's when something else happens because uh, the sheriff lets one of his men search the baggage of the, the Talmud family. Uh, they mm-hmm. find the book we've seen before in this episode. It's the sacred, um, yeah, the sacred book, yeah. Yeah, and then the Talmud warns him not to open it, but of course uh, he does so anyway. And then, uh, well, something, uh, you know, supernatural happens, you might say. Some uh, divine intervention because uh, uh, we see a light yeah. shining from the but book, just... and the sheriff goes into some sort of trance. He sees hallucina- hallucinations of serpents and leeches and his own yeah, he's, running he's away own... and stuff like that. Yeah, it's almost like his own evil is being reflected back in back at him, and and but but all but all very visually, you know, with like yeah, serpents and horrible images and and. Yeah. And, and do you think all those uh, all those lines that he's saying were written in the script? Because it it almost feels like he's uh, improvising a bit. Yeah, he could be. I mean, I don't I don't think any no, no one unless anyone's got the actual script the script for um, Children of Israel. I don't think we'd know either way. I guess we'd have to ask um, probably ask Nicholas Grace that. Yeah. Um, if he, but, if he even know, remembers himself, yeah. even, if, if yeah, somebody has the script, we could we could look it up. Uh, I, yeah. I get the feeling that but, um, it was just you know in the moment and was just uh, uh, shouting out all the horrible images he could uh, come up with it uh, mm. uh, at the spot. I actually quite like the ending to this. Some people aren't, some fans aren't so keen, and I think it's because they. I, I, I quite like that we that he opened, you know, that we get to yeah, see the too. effects of this book because because we've heard, you know, I think the, it would have been easy for them to just. You know, we've heard about this sacred book already in the episode, and it would have been easy for them to just keep it under wraps and not, you know, not have the book open. But actually, I think, you know, of all people, the most interesting character to have open it would be the sheriff, um, because he's a bad person. And um, and yeah, I, I quite like the effects of this, and obviously, it's it it works well as a finale because um, because uh, well, soldiers are distracted by that initially. Obviously, gives Robin a chance, um, you know, Nazir and Will a chance to suddenly attack, and then and Little John they can all start fighting back. And um, yeah, so it plays out quite well. This this whole yeah, this, I, this, I like it yeah. too. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. not really um, 
how do you call it, a deus ex machina, you know, where all of a sudden uh, a god appears and solves the, solves the problem. I mean, this has been planted in the episode from the beginning, and it, it kind of makes sense. And it's um it's totally it's, it's very typical of Robert Duray of Dureno, the way he he opens the book you know in the sense that you know he, he's just not one to be he's not one to take to take orders or be you know be told what to do and i just uh, <laughs> i mean i just like i really like the way joshua in the town when you know, he says do not open the book you know you just know full well Drano, he's gonna open it. you yeah, know Drano just course. gets him how absurd you know <laughs> it's just uh, yeah it's nice but, and uh, so they um, they tie up uh, Gisborne and the uh, uh, Reno, um, and then um, well, there's again the problem of what to do with them once you've uh, once you've caught them. Um, they ask uh, the Detalment family. Uh, Sarah steps forward. Well, we've seen uh, before that she's a pretty uh, a strong uh, woman. Um, she tells about the crime, uh, Gisborne, the crimes uh, Gisborne and Dureno have committed, and uh, well, she basically wants them dead. But then uh, her father uh, intervenes, and uh, he says, uh, "Well, the most beautiful thing anyone can do is forgive. It's also the sweetest form of revenge." Some nice words at the end there. I like the way Robin gets the sheriff to snap out of um, that, this whole, tr- you know, sort of trance thing as well. I mean, obviously, the sheriff's kind of he's he's getting so kind of <laughs> out of control with it almost. He's just at first he sort of kneels down. He's kind of really trying to sort of under- he's trying to understand what's going on, and he, he soon realizes that the sheriff's just completely, you know, he's completely gone. And um, and I like the way he kind of has to sort of shake him, and, and in the end, he slaps him, doesn't he? <laughs> slaps him in the face to um, <laughs> to sort of get him to snap out of it. To wrap things up, uh, Much asks uh, what the sheriff saw in the book to make him go mad, and uh, then uh, Joshua Detelman has the last word uh, of this uh, episode, and he says his own wickedness, and that's the final sentence of the children of israel episode yeah so um you said before you you you, you like this one so so do i how much arrows would you reward it i'd give it four four arrows yeah me too sometimes it's hard to decide how to um, score an episode and this to me this is a uh, typical four arrows episode it's a really good yeah, one it's very, it's very mm. strong it doesn't have the extra quality of, well, let's say, the Hounds of Lucifer. Uh, no, no, that's right. It's not up there with, with the. Yeah, it's, it's still, you know, yeah, the Hounds of Lucifer and the Greatest Enemy. Obviously, those stories are just completely. They take it to, yeah, know, just a, you know. But but it's still, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's really very good. good. Yeah, it's it's a solid four. I, uh, like I said, I, I like the way it works together with uh, Lord of the Trees, and the theme of having faith is, you know. Um, put in there in a really good way. We see Gisborne breaking faith with the sheriff. We see Will breaking faith with Robin. We see Robin breaking faith with Hearn. And we see um, uh, Joshua the Talman keeping his faith. And, you know, that's what saves him in the end. And uh, I, I really like the way that has been done in this episode. So it's four uh, arrows for the children of Israel. Um, now let's see if I can score some uh, points here too. Um, because we still have your question. And I think that Thor's hammer was referred to in the time of the wolf. Okay. Um, so you th- you I don't know the part one or part two. Yeah. Uh, I guess part two. Okay. Um, no, it's actually Hearn's son. Um, and it's, um, it's Owen of Clan. 
Um, it's when it's in it's in the Huntington Castle. So it's when um, when Robert and uh, and Owen have had that have had the fight, and then there's some words exchanged with the Earl Owen and the um, and the Earl of Huntington. You know, they you know Owen wants um, wants Robert pun. You know, when he says I want him punished and you know, all this, and you know, and he yeah he's um, he refers to Thor's hammer. So oh. so no points for me then uh, this time. Okay. Nah, good try though. <laughs> Right, so before we're going to bring this uh, podcast to an end, I'd like to do something uh, a bit special. A while ago, we got an, uh, an email from a listener named Simon, and he writes, uh, Hello, Sietz and Andy. First of all, I'd like to say how much I'm enjoying the Robin of Sherwood podcast. It's really entertaining and interesting. Uh, secondly, I was interested in a little comment that you made in the Witch of Elsden podcast. You mentioned that it was strange that Abbot Hugo accused Janet, uh, Janet of uh, interfering with God's purpose uh, with her healing, when that is exactly what regular doctors do. As I thought about this a little more, I imagined Janet responding to the abbot by making that point about doctors, and I wanted to try to write a few lines of dialogue to see how that might sound. I inserted a few lines of my own into Kip's uh, existing script and thought that you might like to see what I came up with. So I've attached it. Uh, so I've attached my attempts to this email. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, now, I thought it was pretty cool that somebody, you know, went through the effort to uh, write this down, send it to us, and uh, that it might be fun uh, to read uh, the dialogue Simon wrote. Um, so joining us uh, on the podcast uh, is my wife, uh, Marijke. Hello. Uh, and uh, she uh, she agreed uh, to uh, to read the part of Janet. So Andy, that would mean uh, that you are uh, Thomas and the scribe, and I would be uh, the abbot Hugo. So uh, here we go, uh, reading... Uh, Simon's script. I've never harmed any of you. Meg, who took away your fever when you were close to death? He's forced you all to testify, hasn't he? Why won't any of you speak? Alison, have you forgotten how your child was cured? They come to us for help. We're their friends. We heal them. Ah, so you heal them, do you? You interfere with God's purposes, do you? You have condemned yourself, woman. That's blasphemy. But, my lord, we, we mean only to do good. There's no evil here. Yes, my lord. We're only doing what any physician does. What are you saying, woman? That if you were ill, my lord, may God forbid it, you'd go to the doctor, wouldn't you? You'd seek healing from him, wouldn't you? How is what we're doing any different? Enough of these excuses! You malicious meddling is the work of magic, whilst the work of a physician is sanctioned by God. The book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiasticus, my lord abbot. Yes, that's what I said. I've heard enough. Your own words and your evidence of the holy scriptures prove your guilt. Then shall I tell you the real reason why we're here, my lord abbot? Because he wanted me, and I refused him. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Marijke, for, uh, for coming on and playing the part of Janet. You're welcome. Yeah, well, maybe uh, you can, uh, maybe Janet can return someday uh, to the show. Okay, guys, uh, uh, that's it. That's something uh, we've never uh, done before. 
Um, so, uh, well, Marijke, thank you for helping us out. And uh, thank you, Andy, for uh, being on the podcast again. If you, as, a, have, uh, as a listener, have uh, written a scene for us to read, or if you just have something to say uh, about Robin of Sherwood or our podcast, you can send us an email at sherwoodpodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on Facebook on facebook.com slash sherwoodpodcast. Also, if you see an opportunity to share this podcast with fellow Robin of Sherwood fans, please do so. We would love to reach as many fans of the show as we can. For now, thank you for listening and may Hearn protect you. Why have you come? To break faith with you! You cannot! You were chosen! Then choose another! There is no other. The little ones will hide in terror. The Book of Power will take revenge. Your arrows must be ready! The target is too far! My aim is lost! Then aim again! For what purpose? To what end? There is no end and no beginning. It is enough to aim.